On today's show, what is the future of Donovan Mitchell? We'll talk all about that on a new episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm Chris Manning. I've written and covered the NBA for places like Fear the Sword, SB Nation, the Just Basketball Show, etc. That man over there is Evan Damerill. He's the founder of Independent Site, right down Euclid, which covers the entire Cleveland sports scene. As always, we have Jake Stevens producing Check Out the Marrier. Wherever you get music, support our guy. All right, today's show, all about Donovan Mitchell. We are going to start with a uh, segment from, from our friends at the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, them talking about Donovan Mitchell. Can the Cavs win a title with Mitchell and Garland as a backcourt and Jason Lloyd uh, you know, making some waves, talking about what Mitchell might want in the future? So you're going to play that. We're going to come back, and then we, Evan and I are going to dive into some of what that could look like and how like next year is all about selling Mitchell. So here is Adam, Garrett Bush, and Jason Lloyd from the Cleveland Sports Show. Let's talk about the guards specifically. Obviously, they were a disappointment. It is, inter- <laughs> it is interesting that I know Garland's a little older than Mobley, but because Garland was better in the regular seat, like it was his first playoff too. Yep. We're not giving him a pass at all, even though he's not much older. He's than got two hundred million dollar contract, and yeah. he's older. Right. He's been in the oh, league longer. And I'm like, I'm, I, I'm not giving him a pass either. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think it's funny because it was his first experience, so you can understand his struggles a little. I would also blame him less, certainly less than Donovan Mitchell. Yes. And I would actually blame him less than Jared Allen, even though more of is expected of him. But Jared Allen was awful. At least uh, Darius had moments. Right. Whereas Allen was completely useless the whole series. But specifically. Specifically to the backcourt. Obviously, there were some. When you have two essentially two point guards, two guys that are ball dominant players, it's always going to be hard. It, it, and and that was the case at times with Darius and Donovan. Um, I don't know if there was any frustration by either player as this you know during the season or in the playoffs, whatever. It seemed like they get along really well. I don't know. Um, we do. There's been this. We've constantly talked about. At some point, Donovan Mitchell's going to want out of here. Uh, what do we think about this backcourt? How poorly they played, and what the expectation for them is going forward? I don't. I'm not. They weren't great in this playoff series, but yeah. I don't think that means that they're doomed to fail in every Agreed. playoff series. Yeah. I think that they could have a ton of success in the playoffs together. But now we can have the Donovan conversation. And we've sort of been hinting about it for a while. And I've been trying to push it off and kick it down the road. I don't yeah. want to talk about this until we saw how it ended for them. Now we can talk about it. The talk all year long has been Donovan's going to New York the first chance he gets. Like every time I talk to people around the league, it's, well, Donovan's going to New York. Donovan had told you that. At his introductory press conference, he said, I thought I was going home. I thought I was going to New York. He went there last night. We didn't ask him about New York. He brought it up. He's the one who mentioned again and said, I'm, I'm over it. Well, are you really? Because you're the one who's still talking about it. I didn't bring it up to you. And then once he brought it up, that's when I said, okay, what did you mean by that? Like, then we had a little bit more right, of a New right, York right, conversation yeah. after the game last night, but only because he went there first. 
So you have two years of control left on Donovan Mitchell and then a player option year. More than likely, he's not picking up the player option. These guys want to get back into free agency and yeah. get their next contract as sure. soon as possible. You have two years left. Do you really think, after all the assets that the Cavs gave up to acquire him, that they're going to run the risk of leaving, letting him leave and getting nothing in return for him? Right. No, you're going to have to trade him with a year left on his contract unless you get a big extension out of him, unless you get a commitment out of him. I don't think that's happening. From everyone I've talked to, he wants to go to New York. Now, does New York want him? I don't know. But that's where he wants to go. That's well, where he wants to play. I mean, well, I mean, Jalen Brunson's yeah. outplayed him two years in a row now. That's true. And well, so there's together, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But that's that's not our. Yeah. yeah that's not, not our, our concern. Problem. Yeah. So that to, that tells me you have one year left with Donovan Mitchell next year. That's it puts it all on next year. That is the last time that you have him without having to worry about having this trade conversation. Right. And I'll say one other thing. And I wrote this today in The Athletic. In 2010, when LeBron left the first time, Dan Gilbert told all the people close to him, I should have traded him with a year left on his contract. Now think about that. LeBron James, MVP, best player in the league. Yeah. Dan wanted to trade him in 2009. Says he should have traded him in 2009, and he would have come out and said he wouldn't commit to us. We can't, we can't risk losing the asset right. for nothing. We had to trade him. If he felt that way then, and he has said, I will never let another player hold my organization hostage again. Yeah. If he felt that way then, how do you think they're going to feel now and treat this now? Well, let me ask you two questions on follow-up to that. Number one, Dan is obviously not involved Dan in is, the team. Well, is I mean, that he's player, still... At the same way, the yeah. same way. Obviously involved, but not, not to the same degree as you pointed out. Does that change the dynamic? Of I that don't at think all? so because no, okay. Dan doesn't meddle on a day-to-day basis. His the way it has been described to me in the past is Dan's voice isn't heard as often, but when he wants it heard, yeah, it is heard. It is and loud. Like this, he's in the mix. Yes, yeah. something like this, he is absolutely in the mix. So it's not so much the day-to-day stuff, but major decisions like this, he is still final say on stuff like this. All right. The other question is. If they talk, I would assume they might try to talk to Donovan Mitchell about an extension this offseason. Is that something they could they would do? I mean, I'm sure that the conversation is fluid and right. constant in terms of what he wants. If he makes it clear to them this offseason that there's no chance he's staying here long term, is there a chance they trade him this offseason? I, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Because that, that gives you more opportunity to recoup more assets. But that would also be admitting a mistake that trading for him initially, if you trade for him and you go to the playoffs and lose and win one playoff game and lose in the first round and then immediately trade him again, that's admitting a mistake. And I don't know that they're ready to sit. That's a catastrophic mistake. And one other thing to keep in mind, you're going to see you're this is this is I mean, I'm. We're talking about this now. You're going to hear this about Giannis in Milwaukee. You're going to hear this about Damian Lillard in Portland. All of these stars are going to start exiting. And there's only so many monster trade packages going around in teams that fit. Do you want to be first or do you want to be last right. in terms of trading these guys? And in terms, in terms of, well, you're admitting a mistake. Okay, sometimes you make a mistake. Is, is it better to move on from the mistake? Not that Donovan Mitchell's a mistake because he's a great player and who didn't have a good series. I, 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 we all thought it was the right thing to do. I still think it was the right thing to do yeah. at the time. But it may now be like if you say, well, if you don't trade him, if you trade him now, you're admitting a mistake. Well, if you wait one more year, you're saying, well, let's try to win a championship next year. Does anybody think the Cavs are going to win a championship next year? Not right now. I mean, it, that's. But you, I do think Evan Mobley in year three is going to take another leap. Okay. You know, I do think Garland is going to be better for this experience. 
Uh, they need help. They need bench but how help. How are they going to get that? I, that's I, the fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, I was talking to somebody this morning who said, like, look at the Heat. Max Struess played thirty. I don't know, having front almost forty minutes last night. He was a league minimum guy that they developed. Uh, Gabe, help me out, Mikey. What's Gabe? Vincent. Thank you, Gabe Vincent. Me knowing that. Yeah, look that's at you. An upset right there. Gabe Vincent <laughs> played 39, 40 minutes. Yeah. League minimum guy. Kevin right. Love, they got off the scrap heap, got for nothing. League minimum guy. Duncan even, Robinson was an undrafted guy who they yeah. turned into a guy who got. And a they even lost. What's contract. his name? Uh, they had an injury. To Tyler one. Hero. Tyler Hero. Hero. The, the, but the but the problem yeah. is these are guys that are now two three years into their development. Yeah. It's hard to find these guys. <laughs> And have them be instant contributors right yeah. now on a championship team, and the Cavs are out of time. If yeah. we're talking, and, and listen, I'm going to get this like this is going to people are going to misunderstand this that I'm saying they need to trade Donovan this summer. I'm not saying this. Blame him. He's the one that asked me the question. I, yeah, I, I'm not. But I know how this goes. I'm going to get blamed for saying yeah. that that Donovan that they need to trade Donovan yeah. now. No, That's not what I'm say saying. That. That's not what I'm saying. I do think they run him back next year with him right. and play this out again. But he will be traded. I think next he, off season, I th- yeah, most likely. the way it stands now, barring something, barring a deep, deep playoff run next right. year, barring a reason to get him to change his mind, I think the Cavs have to entertain the idea see, of trading him see next that, off season. So, so that's why, that's why, like you said in the beginning, if they run back the same roster, knowing that. I'm not interested in watching them. Not, not interested. I'm at not. All. I'm not going to watch because. Well, nobody ever runs it back the same. There's well, always change. I, I mean, but if you come back with the same core guys and some league minimum dude, like because what we're saying is, okay, we can't get them for Jared Allen. Okay, well Donovan Mitchell probably will leave, and we'll have to trade him for something with two years left on his deal. And we still got Garland, who got 200 billion, and we'll wait on Mobley. Like where in where are the big changes? Where are the big? Here's what I'll say, in defense of Kobe, in 2018, I wrote they're screwed. They're like they they there is no way they can salvage this roster and fix this roster. And yeah. it was I mean the building was on fire. And right. he maneuvered enough. He found enough magic beans to get Rodney Hood in here and Jordan Clarkson in here, and they were not great players. But it changed enough of the dynamic of the locker room that it got the Cavs back to the finals. Now, they lost in the finals, but he made more moves than I thought I didn't see. I didn't see the path to getting some of that stuff done. He's going to have to do that again. And I don't. And again, I'm looking at this going, I don't see the path. Yeah, I don't know tough. what it is. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop guessing over, or stressing rather, over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. What are some of the things about Game Time that are great, you ask? Well, there's flash deals and last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, and images of seed views. Game Time is also the place for last-minute ticket deals. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right now up till the day of the event. I know when I go to New York this August, I'm going to be in town for a Aces Liberty game. Going to be using Game Time to secure the best deal possible on those tickets. There's also the Game Time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute deals, lowest price, and that's guaranteed, brother. 
Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every dares. We're going to be back tomorrow or Thursday, one of the two, diving into Darius Garland, what the playoffs said about him, and what comes next for him now that he's got a five-year extension kicking in. We'll talk all about DG, the P. So, Evan, here, here's what I'll say about Mitchell that I, that I think is appropriate context for all of this. He could go somewhere else in his future. Okay? He could. That is yeah. not like... That is not carved in stone or carved somewhere right now, right? Next season, to me, though, is about the Cavs proving to him that this is worth it. I'll, after we turn it over to you, I will go through kind of the extension numbers and stuff. He's not going to sign an extension. He's. I would be very surprised if wherever, if it's Cleveland, somewhere else, whatever, if he would like sign an extension ahead of time, barring an injury, that would be like, hey, maybe I'll just like take the extension now and take the guaranteed money now. I, there's no reason for him to, to do so. Um, he's also not Supermax eligible, so you can't even like give him that like major offer and, and call it a day in that way. But when you think about Mitchell, what, what do you think about next year being year that Cleveland has to prove itself to him um, about all of that? I, I agree, first and foremost, with the sentiment that none of this is set in stone. None of this is written in ink or blood, whatever you want to dramatic um, comparison you want to put this at. But yeah, uh, Donovan Mitchell could have his eyes in New York, as Jason Lloyd noted. He could have his eyes in Miami, too, because he has a connection with Dwayne Wade, and maybe he wants to join what and, the Heat are about, too. And bam. So there's many ways that this could go for both the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell. But to your point, it's not set. It's not like a predetermined thing where in 2016, a lot of people knew LeBron was leaving and he was going to join the Lakers, blah, 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 so on and so forth, or just go elsewhere. But the Cavs kind of control their own destiny here in the fact that they need to prove to Mitchell that, hey, um, we're committed to winning with you. We're committed to trying to win a championship with you. We understand your frustrations and the fact that you've been flamed out of the playoffs in the first round for the last two years. You've just had frustrating playoff series six years in a row. And sure, you are a big time great player. You are one of the best players at your position. Um, and you're doing so many just amazing things for us. Let us build around you and the supporting cast that's already here. And that's where I just, it gives me pause when you have Kobe Altman saying, we're not going to make any dramatic sweeping changes just because the pressure is on the Cavs front office and this organization to ensure that they maximize their opportunities to one win with Mitchell here, but two court Mitchell and the fact that say like, Hey, you admitted up front that you expected to be a part of the Knicks. Everyone expected that this last summer, but you joined Cleveland and you're happy here. And he, he has gone publicly on the record saying like, hey, I'm a part of the Cavs now. Like, I'm not going to talk about like what could have been at the Knicks because it's not. I'm with the Cavs. And that's great. I think just in terms of just quieting some of that off-court noise and distraction. But I think it's always going to be there, especially if the Cavs lose and in the postseason. And now they're staring down the barrel like crap. We gave up the farm for this guy, and he could realistically dip out in his prime and go sign with either another team in the Eastern Conference, whether that be the Heat or the Knicks or just any team that could maybe come to fruition at that point, or he goes elsewhere and we lose him for nothing. We gave up the farm for him, and sure, the, the Cavs will be fine. They'll have Evan Mobley and Darius Garland there, but they'll be asset-starved, and then they have to have the conversations like, okay... 
what can we get for Donovan Mitchell in a trade if we know he's going to leave or if he has no intentions of re-signing with us? And opposing general managers and teams will know, like, okay, the Cavs are negotiating in a place of disadvantage. We don't have to give them the farm for Donovan Mitchell. Like, the Cavs had to give the farm to the Jazz to acquire Donovan Mitchell. So, like, the Cavs, there's the sunk cost fallacy and stuff like that, but the Cavs really need to show, like, they're committed to winning and building around just Mitchell and Garland, of course, too, and Mobley. But... More so just to Mitchell, just to court him and kind of say, okay, Don, we're committed to winning. We're committed to winning a championship with you as one of the headliners for this team. And they need to just find creative ways and maybe have those uncomfortable conversations, whether it's trading Jared Allen or just trying to find a way to acquire assets so you can actually build something cohesive and winning around what you've acquired in Mitchell. So this is from from Bobby Mark Sears, just when Mitchell, because who has three years left on his deal, last year being a player option. So next year effectively is like the second to last year of his contract, and then the year after that will be a contract year. He'll be eligible for a three-year, $135.5 million extension, or he could get two years at 92.6 if he opted in for 25-26. If he elected out to play out his contract, opt out and get out in 2025, which is what he's likely to do, he would then be eligible to sign a five-year, $257 million contract. That's a lot of freaking money. Again, he's not Supermax eligible. Well, it's, it's, if, Cleveland committed, if a Cleveland team committed that type of money to a player, at least he's Don Mitchell's isn't problematic. Well, so. that, the, what you're doing if you're... I'm not, I'm not touching that. I know what you're... I'm not touching that. Um... What I what I think you're looking at with this is you both next year feels like the year where it's like, okay, what does this do both sides feel good about this? And look, I, I think if there's one thing you could say about this, or it's like I would be optimistic about this working out. I think Mitchell could be Mitchell just had his best regular season, I think, of his career. He didn't play well in the playoffs. We'll talk about that in segment three. And like where he needs to get better as part of this equation, I think, as well. Yeah. I think like there is clear upside on this kind of continue to be a partnership. Like the nucleus is there. Like Moby's going to keep getting better. Garland, I think Garland and Mitchell have like a good chemistry. I think there are ways that like that talent can win out. It is how does the other stuff work out? Do you get luck? Does like the luck fall in your favor? And and you see how that goes. And look, I, honestly, if it it would be very human of Donovan Mitchell, and I think very understandable if he's like. If there is like some weirdness and like, yeah, maybe he did just want to go to New York and maybe at some point he does. Like I, I didn't take like what Jason said is like a report that it's like Mitchell wants to be in New York right now. Like that's not the case. If that happens in a year, you're in a better position, I think, than Atlanta and Minnesota were in giving up what they did that I think you're going to be able to flip Mitchell for a ton of stuff. That is at least like the, if this goes a certain way, you will be able to get a lot of your picks back and you'll have Garland and you'll have Mobley. Like you'll still be in a very, very good position with those two guys. You obviously okay. would rather just keep Donovan Mitchell, but I think you're in a different spot than those guys if it goes away. But I don't think I, I we're it's like almost jumping the gun to me to get to those points. I agree with you. Um, there are steps to this. There's layers to this. I like it's not like the Cavs are staring down the barrel of this being an, a reality, and like Mitchell's about to enter the waters of free agency, and the Cavs could lose him entirely. Um, they wouldn't have given up as many picks and stuff as they did if that was the case, right? True. Like you, you trade it because you have him under contract control and I think the ability to pivot if you need to. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, I don't think it's as dire as some folks are maybe making it out to be. Um, I don't think it's maybe just as 
at a climax yet, but it is something worth keeping an eye on just because this is a guy who wants to win and in his post-game media availability and even in his uh, um, end of season just press conference as well, um, his exit interview, that's the words I was looking for. Um, you could tell he was frustrated and he was putting a lot of the blame on himself, but like he is getting fed up with losing in the playoffs and he does have clear aspirations to win a championship. And if you're Mitchell, yeah, you can empathize with the fact that maybe going back and playing in New York and just being around your friends and family and being back in your hometown, that means a lot to you, especially for a team that you grew up as a fan of. Um, and maybe you could do something special with them, but also the competitor aspect too, like Mitchell could look at this and say like, listen, things are going really well for me in Cleveland. Things are, I'm having the best years of my career. Things are just working out a lot better than they were in Utah towards the end. But is this the best opportunity and the best place for me to maximize my potential chances of winning a championship or just playing like meaningful postseason basketball? And sure, we don't really have a deep body of work just because the Cavs got spanked by the Knicks in five games. If they were went further in the postseason, maybe we have a better like, gauge of what does and doesn't work, but we have a pretty clear understanding of what doesn't work right now for the Cavs. So we have to see how this front office and how this organization just tackles this upcoming off season to, I wouldn't say make wholesale changes, but at least start trending in the direction of like, okay, the Cavs are committed to winning. They aren't just going to rest on their laurels of regular season success. They have put together the pieces to, yeah, help them win in the regular season. But when they hit the postseason, push themselves over the edge to ensure that they don't get embarrassed like they did in the first round and at least turn it into a dogfight where they could reach the conference finals. And if there is like a dramatic shakeup at the top of the East, they can maybe sneak into the NBA finals as well. Like you need to prove to Donovan Mitchell you're committed to winning so that he doesn't look at the scope of the NBA and say like, okay, I could go here and win a championship or I can go to New York and just be around friends and family and people I love because sure he loves Cleveland in the moment, but like, he doesn't have a ton of attachment to it other than just this one season here. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at PrizePix. First-time users can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. To play, pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their PrizePix projections, you win. You can have 10 times your money on any entry, there's no competing against other people. It is just you versus those projections available. PrizePix offers projections on any sport you watch. This includes the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, all of that, and many, many more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars with the promo code locked on if you deposit 100 price picks will give you 100 if you deposit 50 price picks will give you 50 don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 dollars. all right last segment let's talk about how evan how donovan mitchell can and, and needs to get better i think as a playmaker there this may never be like his best skill I don't think it will be. I think like there's room for him to be a, a more involved kind of creator in certain moments, right? Like mm. I, he is not going to be what Garland is. Like I, Garland is the guy you almost trust with the ball in these big moments at times because he's going to make the right decisions. But Mitchell's th- the 13 assist game too. He had as a template where it's like he's willing to pass. 
He's kind of willing to kind of make the quick reads. He's willing to kind of find guys in those spots. He can do that when he wants to. I think turning mm-hmm. up that part of his game would benefit the ecosystem a little bit, especially if you, like, you know, based on what they said, I don't know if we're going to get, like, and it's early, but like, I don't know if we're getting a, a different-looking Cavs offense here. I think some of what JB's, the stuff does and what the Cavs ran this year was actually pretty good. I think there's a lot more, uh, there's some stuff to evolve with, and I, we'll see if it happens. But I think Mitchell could be a, a big part of that. And I think going hand in hand with it, I, I think he could be a little bit more patient at times. There are times where I think he plays too slow. I, I think there are times where Mitchell plays at this very dragged out pace. And like he, he particularly like in late clutch situations, he just like dribbles away. And I, I don't understand what he's doing. I don't understand why a lot of teams do that, if I'm being honest. But I think he doesn't even like waiting for a screen. Sometimes like the screen comes and he reads like the big coming, either whatever the big is going to do, whether that big is dropping, whether that big is coming at the level or, or coming up to trap him, whatever. He like often just like rejects the screen. It goes the other way. I think he cuts himself off at times for better shots when he does that. If you look at like what Devin Booker does in Phoenix, Booker uses screens to slither in and out, hit these tough pull-ups. Mitchell has that in his bag if mm-hmm. he kind of wanted to. And I think it would open up more passing lanes as well. If he just, there's little subtle tweaks, I think, in how he approaches things that I think would make him better, to be honest. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said, especially the playmaking aspect just at the top. You saw it in game two, as you had noted, where maybe Mitchell's shot wasn't going for him, as we had found out later in the series, it wasn't. But he was bending New York's defense using his gravity and his impact to get Darius Garland or his teammates really clean and wide open looks like. One of the best offensive sequences for the Cavs was Jared Allen was able to flare and post up. And I think he either had Mitchell Robinson or Julius Randle on him. But then you saw Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson try to double Donovan Mitchell at the top of the perimeter. Uh, Mitchell then smartly kicked it down to Allen. Then you watch New York uh, react to that and try to collapse on Allen. And Allen then passed it right back out to Darius Garland, who was left wide open there. And then it's just that off-ball dynasticism, those two feeding off one another was key in this series it's key on how cleveland just functions on offense in general um i think the same can be said if you can utilize evan mobley more in dribble handoffs and things like that but even in isolation like you said or even in pick and rolls like i i wonder if it's a chemistry thing and just kind of getting a feel out for working with mobley and allen just because the Cavs didn't have the benefit of like a training camp but they've played a whole season with these guys so maybe things will change next year as well too uh just phys- physically and just in terms of just pick and roll stuff too but using Booker as a bit of a template or maybe how the Suns utilized Evan Booker is really smart. I think J.B. Bickerstaff made it abundantly clear and any coach say it's it's a copycat league in the NBA. So if you find success with something, you want to try and apply it to your other players. And Mitchell does have the strength, the athleticism and the game in his bag to copy a lot of what his colleagues do. And there's creative ways the Cavs can utilize him and feature him especially more so in just maybe finding that healthy balance between him and Darius just on who has the ball in their hands and who doesn't. And when the player who doesn't have the ball in their hands is out there with that same guy, like they can still remain effective on offense because you saw the goods, you saw the bads, especially in the postseason against the Knicks. But like there, there is a formula for success where they can both feed off one another it's just the Cavs need to find a way to make it sustainably apply to any game they play. The other 
thing I, I kind of wonder is what the offense, I, I really do wonder like what the offensive evolution, how it plays a part of this. And I, and I wonder how Mitchell and Garland and, and what I would feel about that because Mitchell over time has, I think really gotten to be what he feels like he wants to be, which is this pick and roll ISO heavy guard. I think this gets back to Utah over time. When I went back and, you know, Andy Bailey talked about this with us when we had him on after the trade, you go back and read this, you go back and watch some of the film. You look at the numbers Mitchell became like a Quinn Snyder's offense with Mitchell kind of changed as Mitchell got more ascendant, became like this bigger, mm-hmm. bigger piece, right? Mitchell became this kind of different performer who wanted to play a certain way. I think like I, I think like a, a something that nudges him a little back the other way would probably be good for the entire ecosystem. But I wonder what is the willingness to do that? What is the willingness for them to do that? I I just think like leaning into your various skills is ultimately good for for what you're building. I'm mm-hmm. curious to see just like what the willingness to, to do that might be for these. That's a fair question. I I think there there's a possibility it could happen because you saw at least during the regular season, Donovan Mitchell was much more botted on defense, and we were talking about his two-way impact at times to the Cavs, and like a lot of credit should go to J.B. Bickerstaff and Donovan Mitchell for just listening to what Bickerstaff had to preach on the defensive side of the ball, but that is a tough conversation um, just because you're asking star players to set their ego aside and just kind of let them acclimate, and maybe this is a little bit on Darius Garland, too. Kobe Altman noted this at his... Um, end of season availability that Darius kind of just seeded a lot of stuff to Donovan to make him feel fully comfortable just within this new situation. And now it's just trying to find that balance because you hear it from Mitchell a lot, just like he does have a bit of that big brother role to Darius and a lot of these things. And like they sit down and talk about what Donovan and Darius are both seeing from opposing defenses or just how teams are playing them at times. And, at least after game one against the Knicks heading into game two, Donovan pulled Darius aside and said, like, listen, if you have the ball in your hands, just go. Don't worry about me. Just focus on you. And like, it's a two way street. And I think at least just hearing whatever's available publicly or just like maybe whatever you or I hear privately as well. Like the foundation is there for the Cavs to get the buy in from Mitchell. It's just trying to see if it is applicable because when things are at their highest tension levels, like you can watch players revert to bad habits or maybe just old habits as well. And maybe Mitchell doesn't fully buy in like in playoff scenarios like that too. And that could kill the offensive flow if you find a sustainable thing. But to circle back to uh, Monday's episode too, I really do think from just like a coaching standpoint, the Cavs need to find more of an offensive mind just to have a guy who can set an offense in place where it becomes clear as you execute that this is beneficial for maybe Mitchell to take a step back at times and let Darius do things or Darius take a step back and let Donovan do things and just find that cohesiveness where the two of them are able to function in harmony, especially when games are at their highest tension points. We're going to end it there again. Back tomorrow, every day is with a new episode looking back at what Darius Garland was in the playoffs, what that says and where he can get better in the future. Thank you again for making first listen every day. Remember, you can catch NBA games on Sirius XM. You can catch every moment of whatever hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the X XM app. That includes Cavs games next season when the basketball for Cleveland is back. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. Check out The Mirror on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get music. And shout out to Astrodo for the intro tunes. Until then, enjoy the basketball. Be well, everybody.